Welcome to EQ Minds Recharge Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, the host of this show, and today we welcome on Reese Carter, who is armed with a bachelor degree in health science, a graduate certificate in human nutrition, and years of experience in clinical practice. Reese is such a passionate champion for sensible, whole food nutrition. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Chili Technology. And without further ado, let's get Reese on the show. And I'm so absolutely thrilled to welcome Reese to the show. Reese, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. Now, the reason why I wanted to get you on here is because everyone that we have on our show are experts in their field. And I feel like there are so many fads on social media. A lot of people follow sometimes influencers or people that don't have kind of the the background knowledge that some people have like yourself. And one of the things that I love about your message is that you only talk about things that are clinically backed by science. So I wanted to start here because I know a lot of my friends and external social network, they do these juicing diets. So I want to say, (laughs) hey, about these juicing myths, what's going on with that? Yeah, look, that is a very good question. And pretty much every claim you've heard from juicing is a myth. So, let's just start there. Most of it is absolute kind of fluff. If people want to enjoy juices because they enjoy juice, go for it. And, you know, juices can be a source of nutrition, absolutely, especially veggie juices. But it's just got out of hand, these claims around helping the body detox and cleanse and hit reset and this, that and the other. None of it's backed by science. And if anything, it's kind of a, it's, it's you know, a potentially harmful approach to dieting and eating and food and nutrition in general, just because it is just restriction wrapped up in a, in a, in a kind of a, you know, new, new packaging, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So what should we do? Like if we're trying to detox the body, what should we do from a nutritional expert point of view? How should we do that? Sure. So the body is waiting to detox itself first and foremost. That's what you've got to understand. We don't have to do too much apart from allowing the body to do its thing. So we've got all these natural detoxification pathways in the body. They're built in because even way before modern lifestyles got as crazy as they were, we were still coming in contact with toxins. We make toxins ourselves kind of through general metabolism and our body has to get the bad stuff out, right? So we've got our kidneys, we've got our liver, we've got our gut. All of these systems work together to help eliminate toxins from the body and metabolic byproducts from the body. So the best thing you can do is just stop putting so much toxic I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear here or not. So let's say toxic rubbish in there in the first place. You know, if you want to give your body an opportunity to kind of detox, flush all this stuff out, take some time off alcohol, take some time away from caffeine, work on supporting your body's natural pathways by really, really staying nice and hydrated and eating lots and lots of fiber because the gut is an elimination, is a pathway for elimination, but none of the bad stuff gets bound up and excreted properly and efficiently if we don't have the fiber to do that in our gut. So focus on a really plant heavy diet, stay hydrated and remove the bad stuff. It's as simple as that. That's what you need to be doing. Yes. So the celery juicing fad. <laughs> oh my God, celery juicing can go away. Nope. I, uh, <laughs> that's one of my biggest frustrations, that one lately. I mean, as you said, there are so many fads on social media, uh, health fads especially. But that one really, I think, annoys not just myself, but other kind of qualified practitioners as well, more than anything we've seen recently. You know, and to your point earlier on about social media being so full of fads, I think, you know, firstly, thank you for saying, you know, you like my no 
BS approach. I think we're starting to see that trickle back into social media. I think we're seeing the dietitians, the nutritionists, the doctors of the world get a little bit fed up with kind of influencers who maybe don't have the qualification, jumping on board social media and kind of using it for good. And that's really heartening for me. It's so good to see these evidence-based voices coming through and and kind of demystifying some of the fads. Absolutely. We're not even going to touch on anti-vax because... Oh, don't. No, no. <laughs> so many mates were doctors and it just absolutely riles them up so much. And because anti-vaxxers are also very vocal. So we're just like, okay, we won't even touch that area at the moment. No. So vocal. I will just say, I will just say though, I've, at the end, it's, that's because that is another big one. I went on a TV show not so long ago about stay and my my segment was about staying well through winter and so you know I come from a complementary and a natural health background so I'm all about my nutrition little remedies lifestyle stuff okay that is my background but I'm also as you said I work within the bounds of evidence and so I you know do all the nutrition stuff I need to do through winter I get my flu shot as well and I was quite open about that on the tv show and oh my god the uh when the tribe comes out the anti-vax the tribe they come out with their pitchforks it was it was so aggressive (laughs) but this is the thing inside you know these are very intelligent people doctors scientists who for years this is the reason why we don't have polio around we don't have the whooping cough it's because 90 percent of the population get vaccinated therefore we don't have these breakouts exactly um, with coronavirus i mean there should just be no more argument you know we should see it with the viruses how contagious they are Absolutely. We're getting a glimpse of a world without where we don't have a vaccine for one single virus, you know what I mean? And look at the effect that it's having. Like, So this should be, if anything, a little wake up and a reminder to, oh my God, vaccines are like modern day magic. Absolutely. Debate them kind of thing. <laughs> this podcast is proudly brought to you by Chili Technology. Even though winter is here, we still need a cool body core temperature to have great sleep efficiency and deep REM. An easy way to get our body core temp down is by using an Aula from Chili Technology. You just slip it over your mattress, switch it on, set your temperature, and you're away. They even come in single, so you can set your own temperature, since partners often like to sleep at different temperatures. To get a great night's sleep and 15% off, head to eqminds.com forward slash podcast and use the code eqminds15 for the Aula system. Okay, so let's move on to the foods that affect the brain because my passion in life and is around mental health and we know that the gut health really does impact our brain. So how can people eat for a better mood? Great question. This is what I do a lot in clinic as well, actually. And I think you had Dr. B on recently, didn't you? The gut health MD talking about he is so good. He is so good at this stuff. And my message will be very similar in that what we're looking at when we're talking about mental health and gut health and the connection is fiber and diversity of fiber. So, and look, this is still emerging science, but what we can pretty definitively say is a plant-rich fiber-based diet has positive mental health outcomes. And specifically, we saw the culmination of that here in Australia, actually. I love when Australian research comes out. It's always really exciting. There was a trial that was done down in Victoria where they took a group of patients with depression and they gave them, they introduced them to the Mediterranean diet, which is by no means a fad, by no means a trend, by no means new. It's been around for a long time. We've heard about its benefits. And so that was, it was as simple as that. They coached 
the experiment group on the uh, or the intervention group on Mediterranean diet principles. These guys went away and ate it for, I think, don't quote me on this, I think it was 12 weeks. And then they reassessed them for depression and the scores had improved vastly. So we're really starting to do, starting to see rather, that kind of randomized control trial, that really high level evidence filter in saying, yeah, you know what? Eating for mental, better mental health rather, is a thing. It's pretty simple. We already know what we're meant to do. The key now is getting as many people to do it. And, you know, pay attention to your diet. If you are someone like myself who struggles with anxiety, when things are going a little bit off kilter, pay a bit of attention and be aware and maybe take that as a sign as, okay, what am I doing? What are my dietary habits looking like? What am I eating? What am I putting in the body to fuel good gut health and in turn good mental health? And look, there is so much of it comes down to that interaction with the bacteria and how they metabolize certain fiber. I know the generalities of that and enough to kind of work in practice, but there are amazing people like like Dr. B who you've spoken to who can really get into the nitty gritty there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I like both your and Dr. B's approach is because you're about eating real food. So diversity of plants, of vegetables, whole foods, organic wherever possible. And it's not about deprivation. And that's what I really enjoy. It's not like you're saying, let's restrict ourselves. We're like, hey, let's get some colour on our plates and eat kind of the rainbow of everything. And you're going to thrive. Well, we've kind of fallen into this really bad habit in recent decades, even, I suppose, when we're talking about healthy eating, we've fallen into this habit of talking about, okay, what bad guy needs to be removed? You know, we're on the constant lookout of, gluten, dairy, soy, uh, FODMAPs, nightshades, we're always looking, we're kind of approaching food as if there's bad guys in there and we need to just eliminate, 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 eliminate. Whereas, yes, there is a time and a place for some people to have to remove certain foods. But by and large, people are going to see their mental and physical health soar by actually focusing rather on taking stuff out about putting all the good stuff back in. And that's kind of my key message is let's forget the, let's forget the, this is bad for you, that's bad for you, That bad. that's bad for you, you can't have that, restrict that, and instead focus on getting everyone to really get the colour back on their plate, make, you know, at least if they're plant-based, fantastic, do that really well. If they're omnivores, make sure that at least 75% of their plate is plant-based, make vegetables and herbs and whole, whole grains the heroes of your plate, not an afterthought, because that has very real health impact. And, you know, sometimes people roll their eyes because it sounds like a bit of a tired message. But the thing is, here in Australia, we may have been hearing for a long, long time, this is what we need to do with our diets, but still no one's doing it. We've still got, I think the latest data is 5% of Aussies eat enough fruit and veg. So it may not sound groundbreaking, but the real problem is we're not going to see the kind of population-wide improvements in health that we need to see until we really focus on just making these habits long-term, making them work and make them stick around. That's awesome. Now, do you do you eat meat? I don't eat red meat. Okay. I eat poultry and I eat fish. Okay. No, that's great. I was just wondering. I, and do you drink alcohol? I drink alcohol. I drink coffee. I keep an eye on all of these things. Yeah, so in terms of the meat thing, I stopped eating red meat just as a personal, that was a personal decision. I grew up on a farm. I'm kind of very aware of where where our food supply comes from so I kind of chose to eat the things that make sense for me but it's by no means you know something I would would kind of I think everyone finds their sweet spot if that makes sense yeah of course because I think people think that me and you just eat lettuce (laughs) 
because I think people find it really refreshing when we say, you know what, I absolutely will have a glass of Shiraz on a Friday or I'll have a really nice, you know, glass of French champagne. I don't go to excess anymore purely from my mental health perspective and I don't drink mid- midweek. I do drink coffee as well and we do eat meat but but smaller portions of that and lots of it is veggies and plants and stuff in our diet and I think, I don't know, it's weird. I think just people assume that I'm a vegan that doesn't drink coffee or alcohol but it's it's just not the case. So I was just, I was just really curious actually with what, how your diet is. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I come up, you know, I have those conversations a lot as well quite often when I'll meet someone socially and I'm, you know, having a glass of wine and just enjoying myself. People will say, oh, I didn't think you would be drinking. And I'm like, well, I enjoy a glass of wine. I enjoy a coffee. But I think that we can, like you said, it's about moderating it. It's about not taking it to excess. And it's about also understanding how it impacts your health. Like I have a coffee in the morning, fully aware of the fact that too much coffee will interrupt my sleep, worsen anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. So if I'm feeling that way, if I'm not getting enough rest, if I'm feeling really anxious, then I might take a couple of weeks off coffee. I might pull back. And the same is the same is true with alcohol. If, you know, I, I don't, I tend not to drink too much. I avoid drinking midweek like yourself. I usually only drink on one night of the week if it's in a social situation. But then life comes along and Christmas and New Year's and all of a sudden you realize you've had too much. And then it's just about kind of moderating it. So I'm not a purist in any sense. It's just about kind of getting, finding your your sweet spot. Yeah, no, that's great. I think that's fantastic. And we're the same. We're exactly the same. You know, if there's a special occasion, a 40th on, we're at a wedding. And, you know, we kind of see it in, I do a, little bit of work with Dr. Matthew Walker, who's a neuroscientist in sleep. And he was on our podcast recently and we're talking about alcohol. And he's like, you know what? It's kind of one drink when two drinks is kind of will wipe out your deep REM. And so then you get a good quality rest. And and so I'm like, okay, that's great. So Monday to Friday, I usually don't drink alcohol because I need to be thriving in my job every day. And then weekends, yep, I'll have a glass of Shiraz. At a party or a wedding, man, if I step over that two drink rule, I kind of just light myself up because I'm like, you know what? (laughs) I'm not going to say. <laughs> in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's just do this. Have a good time. <laughs> but obviously, of course, I've got to be very aware of that because, you know, the next day my mental health will usually tank, you know, because of the depressant effect of alcohol. And I want to really chat to you about this. So, you know, in terms of your mental health, you mentioned before on the podcast that you do, you have suffered before with your anxiety. And what? It, so I'd love to know, you know, what are your go-to remedies to protect your mental health and well-being? And um, please include your dog here. Uh, oh, he is the he is the best mental health remedy. He is absolutely to anyone who's listening here to give you some context. He is like a forty five kilo shaggy ball of love. He's a flat coat retriever. He's the sweetest thing in the world. He's an eighteen month old tornado. But yeah, he is so so good for my mental health because it's impossible to be anything but happy when he's around, um, wagging his tail and panting. And yeah, he's incredible. Apart from that, though, I definitely think that a kind of a natural approach or a health and life, a nutrition and lifestyle approach to mental health really comes down to kind of developing good patterns and routines. And so what I mean by that is, A, exercise has been shown time and time again to be probably one of the most, one of, if not the most effective natural antidepressants. So prioritize movement. I like to do it first thing in the morning because it puts me in a really good mindset, but that's one. Get your exercise right. Get your diet right. And again, when I say get your diet right, I'm not talking about being perfect. You and I have spoken about, you know, having a drink, having a coffee every now and again, but 80% of the time, 90% of the time, make sure that 
you're eating well. And the best way I I have if I have found to do that and I find with my clients is again being really prepared and setting up good habits. So do your food prep. Make sure it doesn't have to be complex. Just make sure it's really tasty so you're going to enjoy it. Packed with plants and packed with diversity of plants. Done. So if you've got your exercise and nutrition, uh, you know, if you've got a pet, fantastic as well. And the last one is prioritizing rest. And I don't think any of us do that or do it very well because we're kind of trained to think that it is good to be busy and productive and efficient all the time. And so rest feels like wasted time. And so I kind of talk to my clients a lot about scheduling in the way they would schedule in meetings, appointments, schedule in an hour or a half an hour of me time or whatever it may be each and every day. And so they're kind of the basics. You get those fundamentals right. As you said, I'm <laughs> I'm a naturopath, I'm a nutritionist, I'm a bit of a evidence-based herb nerd. So I also kind of have a few little tricks up my sleeve and probably my favorite and the one I harp on and on and on and on about or the two my two favorites are a couple of herbs called withania and kava. Not only because I've had incredible experience with them myself and with clients, but because the evidence is there as well. So kava is available as a supplement here in Australia. We've borrowed it from the Pacific Islands and it's been shown at kind of Cochrane level meta-analysis you know, in these kind of huge, in these meta-analysis, in this systematic review to be effective in anxiety. And so I will often use it before sleep to kind of quiet and an overactive mind, both with myself and clients. The other one is withania, which is a traditional Ayurvedic herb. So that's the kind of natural health tradition of India and Sri Lanka and that part of the world. It's also called ashwagandha. You might have seen it around. You might have heard about it. And there are quite a few studies there as well, smaller studies, but they're still there that kind of indicate that regular consumption of ashwagandha or withania can help our resilience against something, against stress. So people subjectively feel less stressed. So they're kind of my two herb nerd hints, I suppose. That's fantastic, Reese. That's really good. I haven't actually heard kava, you know, in the therapeutic sense. So I think that's incredible. It's absolutely unreal. It's the best stuff, honestly. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Because I think, you know, sometimes life throws us these curveballs and sometimes those of us that are susceptible to anxiety, it's nice to have a more of a natural approach to those kinds of things that are clinically proven to work. So I think that, I mean, my audience will be like, okay, where do we, how can we see Reese? Where do we find more out about this guy? <laughs> can you please let our audience know where they can find you? Yeah, for sure. So my website is reesecarter.com.au. So that's R-E-E-C-E-C-A-R-T-E-R.com.au. And that's where, you know, I have my blog with recipes. It's also where I take my clients. I see all my clients for one-on-one consultations online now. So that's where I do that. Apart from that, I'm very active, as you would know, on uh, on Instagram. So kind of whether it's recipes or a bit of health myth busting like we've done today, at HerbNerdReese is where I am on Instagram. That's awesome, Reese. Thank you so much. This has been so valuable and funny <laughs> to have a chat with you <laughs> and just a really honest account. So thank you so much for today. Thanks so much, Chelsea. See you later. Bye. To continue on your calm journey, I really encourage you to download a free ebook on how to live a calmer life. Simply head to eqminds.com to receive your free copy. And if you're in a really good mood, please feel free to give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the podcast and then together we can help other people with their mental health and well-being. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with us and we'll see you again in a week. 
This podcast is for information purposes only. Any advice is not a substitute for medical guidance. Any use of information contained in this podcast is used at the user's own risk.